Thanks, Cassandra. Appreciate your reading of that. It wasn't too much, was it? Um, so, today we are going to talk a little bit about baptism, but some of the some of the meaning things around baptism as well. I mean, I, I really have a fondness for uh, some of the language in the Isaiah reading from this morning. Uh, you know, because I know I need this. I mean, I don't know if you're like me or not. I was explaining, saying, sharing with Ginny this morning and saying that um, uh, when the new year comes, we've made it through all the craziness of the holiday times and all. The new year comes, and I feel like some things crash down upon me. I feel like the beginning of the year is the time when, from big to small, everything's being evaluated. You know, um, we're gonna have, we're gonna be doing budget discussions on council this afternoon. Come to the congregation in a couple of weeks, and um, but you know, I don't know if you make New Year's resolutions, but we often, whether we make them or not. We look ahead and we kind of see the whole year and we wonder whether, what we're looking forward to and what we're maybe uh, worried about. Uh, and for me, I've been realizing the last few days how it's just like, wow, you know. My wife will look at me and say, what's wrong? And it's really nothing's particularly wrong other than it's like all hitting, you know, the import of everything. Um, and so I love to hear things like, do not fear I have redeemed you. I've called you by name. You are mine. Do you hear the comfort in that? Isn't that nice? And that's really historically in the Christian church um, where baptism comes in and is kind of a, a formality of something that confirms in us that we don't need to fear that we've been redeemed. We're called by name. We've not been forgotten. And we are, we are gods. We belong to God. Um, so I start with that little bit of comfort as I then go into speaking about baptism. Now, if we have a semester to deal with, uh, this is only a few pages of it. I would uh, share with you an 85-page document, of which I only printed a handful, just for my own reference. But in from 2003 to 2007, um, the churches that come out of the Reformed Protestant tradition, um, of which the United Church of Christ has part of our heritage as well, were in dialogue in the United States with the Roman Catholic Church on some agreements about baptism. Um, so you may or may not know that it's generally within Christianity, not universally, but generally within Christianity, there is an understanding that when you are baptized, that uh, you only get baptized once. It's not something that needs to be redone, because it's a ceremony uh, with a deep understanding of how we are gods. We, we belong to God, um, and it doesn't need to be redone and you don't really get baptized, you know, like someone said, were you baptized Catholic? You know, or were you baptized UCC? Well, in the real understanding of baptism, that doesn't really make sense. We're, we're baptized into Christ, right? And 
so part of the respect we have across all of our differences is to honor baptisms no matter where they happen. But um, the reason there was dialogue here is that over time, different churches and denominations kind of go their own way in how they think about certain things and how they do rituals and how they do things like that. And this was to make sure we were all on the same page and could honor each other's uh, baptisms. So the 85-page document goes into everything. It goes into a history, history of baptism in the Christian church. It goes into a theological perspective of what baptism is, what it isn't, from both the Roman Catholic perspective and the Reformed perspective. It's really interesting, if you want to go into a deep with we can have conversation about it sometime. But it resulted in, after lots and lots and lots of dialogue, it resulted in the signing of a document with this 85 pages as the resource behind it called the Common Agreement on the Mutual Recognition of Baptism. And it was signed at different moments, depending on which, when the denominations approved it, by... The Christian Reformed Church in North America, they signed it in 2011. By the uh, Presbyterian Church USA, they signed it in 2009. I think they were the earliest to sign on. It was signed by the Reformed Church in America. That's different than the Christian Reformed Church in North America. And they signed it in 2011. It was signed by the Roman Catholic Church in 2010. And it was signed by the United Church of Christ, by our former general minister and president, Joffrey Black, in September 19, 2011, um, as kind of an agreement. And so I want to just share with you, and I, I don't mean to get you into all the bureaucracy of it all, but in a, in a time when we live in, in a world where we're so divided from each other, it's important, I think, to understand that it actually, if we want to come together across our differences, it takes hard work. It takes communication. It takes relationship building. It takes listening to each other, right? Um, in order to have that. So, um, this is only a, a one-page thing. Signatures on the back. Um, today we affirm um, that sacrament of baptism is truly incorporated into the body of Christ, the church. Baptism establishes the bond of unity existing among all who are part of Christ's body and therefore is the sacramental basis for our efforts to move forward towards visible unity. Together we affirm that baptism is a sacramental gateway into the Christian life directed toward the fullness of faith and discipleship in Christ. Today, we affirm that the incorporation of the universal church by baptism is brought about by celebrating the sacrament within a particular Christian community, such as this right here. We affirm that baptism is a sacrament of the church enacted in obedience to the mission confided to it by Christ's own word. Um, and then it quotes Matthew passage about baptizing in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Together we affirm the validity of baptism depends on its celebration according to the apostolic witness by the church and its authorized ministers. And there's a couple more things in there, but enough to kind of give you, give you a little bit of an idea. 
I was thinking about this. And I was thinking, you know, in the United Church of Christ, where we sometimes are kind of informal, and we have a good, strong reputation for saying, why do we have to do that? <laughs> you know? Uh, why is that important? Um, so, one reason baptism is important is because it's something uh, that historically connects us with all those who are followers of Christ going all the way back to the beginning. Right? So if every generation kind of did it a different, a new way, eventually you kind of lose your roots, right? You lose your connection. So I view it as an important connection, not just universally for today, but historically taking us back. It's something that links and connects us. But even more importantly, the process of moving towards an understanding of baptism helps us with three things. Identity, meaning, and ritual. First, identity. Who are we? Who are you? You know, Baptism calls us back into who we are, going all the way back to the beginning of creation. Who are we as human beings? And who is any of us as a particular person coming out of that human state on this earth, in this universe? So baptism is a naming of what our identity, where, where our identity is rooted. Secondly is meaning. Where do you belong? Have you ever felt like you belonged nowhere? your life? Maybe you feel that now, I don't know. But isn't that a horrible feeling to feel like you belong nowhere? It's really hard to survive. You know, you go through all the daily motions every day, maybe you go to a job, and maybe you go to a church, maybe you go to family gatherings, and maybe you're part of some organization in town, and everywhere you go you don't feel like you belong. But like that Isaiah reading said, um, what we know is the meaning of where we belong. We, we belong to this divine creation. Everything in this creation, we belong to this creation. We belong one to another. We belong to the God who is love. So even when we feel in these other things that we don't belong, We've always got this. And that's part, another part of what baptism celebrates. So identity and meaning and the belonging that comes with that. And then ritual. How do we ritualize these things? Because things that are important in our life, things about our identity and our belonging and our meaning, we find ways to ritualize them. Um, I heard it over the years here, and for some reason this popped into my head earlier this morning when I was thinking about this, about how we need to ritualize things. So, there used to be a J.C. Penny in this town, right? And is there still like an annual dinner of all those who work for J.C. Penny? <coughs> right? It's like, so, why is that? There must have been some sense of identity and belonging that happened from those who worked for J.C. Penny. Otherwise, why with the people who keep showing up. Because, I don't know, when did the JCPenney close? 
more? Maybe, you know, more? And yet, some people still get together <coughs> once a year, right? It's a ritualized. Of course, you have to have a meal when you do that, right? Because that's one of our normal human rituals, to say something is important. You know, we have a common identity, Lord for J.C. Benny. Uh, and we, we belong to each other, in a sense, because we had this special experience of working for J.C. Penney, and so let's ritualize it. An annual time we get together, um, and the food with drink, right? And if you thought through your life, you probably could think of lots of things you've kind of ritualized that way. Um, so one of the reasons we, we baptize in the church is we take something which we know is true, something about who we are, about our identity, and about how it is and where it is we belong and the meaning of all of that. And we need a way to become fully conscious of that again, to remind ourselves, to celebrate it. In some ritualizing, sometimes you're also grieving a little bit. Um, and in doing that, puts a stamp on it, right? And so baptism is a way of doing that. And then we may do a lot of follow-up things over the years that remind ourselves. So sometimes, we haven't done it a lot here, um, we'll do ceremonies where we use water and sprinkle water or something to remind ourselves of our baptism, to call us back to what that ritual was about, to remind us again of who we are, where we belong. You know, so we could spend another whole semester t- trying to figure out why Jesus think he needed to be baptized, right? Um, because part of us had this idea in our head, well, he didn't need it, right? But in our Christian tradition, we believe Jesus was fully human, fully divine. And that's another whole semester, but, um, but in that, is fully human. And every human being needs the ritual that celebrates and cements the identity and the belonging. So there's one reason why, I think it says it somewhere in the part I didn't read here, why um, whenever possible, baptisms are to be done in a community experience. Because it's not an individual experience. Community experience. Part of where we belong. All right. So, those are a few things that I wanted to share with you today. But we can take a couple of minutes now, if, uh, <coughs> a few minutes now, if uh, maybe I just bored you with possible semesters of study we could go through. Uh, maybe I touched on something that reminded you of something, or whatever, maybe your own baptism or whatever. Um, uh, but what are your thoughts? What are you hearing? What are you not hearing? Jim, why do some churches, you have to be immersed in the water, right. and some do not? Good question. Well, first of all, I'll start off by saying that I believe in using a ton of water when I'm baptized. And if you see me do baptisms in here, we usually bring a, one of those kiddie pools in so I can pour buckets of water. Because... The water is a symbol of so many things about how we belong to God and what God does for us. Um, and so 
so immense that it does deserves water to sprinkle. It deserves pouring. It deserves a flow. The immersion is because in the symbol of symbolic understanding of baptism, and if you go into a Disciples of Christ denomination uh, congregation, they always have a baptismal immersion pool that's usually like behind a curtain up front. Um, and the symbolism is that you you walk in to the baptismal pool leaving your old life behind, your old identity, your old sense of belonging and meaning and all that, and you are now embracing uh, and being clothed in the ways of Jesus. Um, and so you, you go through those waters and you immerse yourself and you come out on the other side, because whenever they do the immersion, you don't come out on the same side, you come out on the other side. All right? So that's, that's the symbolism of the version that grew in the church. Other thoughts or questions or whatever? You did mention Luther's Methodist couple major denominations that are part of that document. Is it signers? Yes, they're not. They're not signers of this particular document. I do not know the reason for that. So ours, if you, if you look in our book of worship, our baptismal ceremony would parallel many of, like Catholics and Lutherans and all that. It's just that because we have more freedoms in the UCC, the book of worship is a resource to use, but we're not required to do everything exactly as it says in there. In some of these other denominations, they pretty much have to. But the full resource is there for us. One of the things that was controversial in these dialogues was because of the UCC. Because in our inclusive nature of the UCC, not everyone has been comfortable with the Trinitarian understanding of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, or Holy Ghost is sometimes called. Um, and so sometimes you'll hear um, something like, in place of that is Creator, Redeemer, Sustainer. You know, or mother and father, and then son and spirit, um, things like that. One of the things that's actually part of this agreement is that we will actually use the historic words of father, son, and spirit. If you ever see me do a baptism, you'll see that I use those words, and I use some of our more inclusive words as well. But I always use the traditional words because I value our historical connection and universal connection to Christianity everywhere and don't want to be such a purist about my inclusive ways that I just dump everything historically. So I use the traditional words and other words. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, uh, my understanding of baptism only goes back to John the Baptist. Mm-hmm. And yet he was part of the Judaic faith as was Jesus. Right. And so is it part of Judaism? Does it go back even further? So my understanding, I'm not an expert on this one, but my understanding is that uh, that uh, baptism in Judaism was something that was some places practiced and some places not. Um, and it, it was a baptism of repentance. All right. So um, 
And that, so part of the reason why we have it the way we do in the Gospels is that there's, a, there's an understanding, because the biggest part of the audience were people coming out of Judaism, right? Uh, there's an understanding that this is not the beginning of something new. This is a, a next step in something we've had before, right? So John the Baptist is going around doing this baptizing, but he's also announcing that the one coming after me, Jesus, is going to do a, a different kind of baptism, maybe a more powerful baptism that includes water and the Spirit and, and fire and all of that. So, um, so it's kind of announcing this transition. Okay? Not something totally new, but an evolution, you might say. It turns to symbolism a bit. Yes. But it takes, takes the old symbol. Because I was yes. talking with someone from the Kalispell tribe years ago, and he said, because they're very Catholic today, he said it was easy to make the transition from their original religion to Catholicism because of the water ritual. Oh, right. Because they already had the water ritual. Right. And, and this, and all the directions, the four directions and so forth, mm-hmm. and the elements. Yep. Thanks for bringing that in. That was helpful. In the Mormon church, babies and little ones are blessed, but then when they're eight years old, they're baptized. Right. Is that because they have a more better understanding of what's Right. Going? So there's been different points of view within Christianity over, uh, you know, over, like I was baptized when I was one month old. I don't remember it. So uh, confirmation is something that often happens as a way of owning your own baptism. Okay. We in UCC honor either way of doing it that you want, and because we also we know that if you baptize a baby, you don't wait till the baby decides that they, uh, you know, that a healthy diet is good for them. You start feeding them a healthy diet. You don't decide that till they decide that they need clothes before you put clothes on them. So why should you not care for them at that spiritual level the best you know from the very beginning? So from that point of view, baptism is something that the parents are taking their responsibility, embracing their child, and bringing them along and taking care of them. And at some point, hopefully, they'll take it on to themselves. Confirmation is the formalization of that in the the Christian church, but there are other ways it can happen. Um, But others strictly believe that there shouldn't be a baptism until the person makes that decision themselves. So, therefore, they have to be of some older age. So. <coughs> Some really good questions you all have. Interesting. Other thoughts? Like, I don't even care about anything.
when done authentically well, have some value to them, and we distort them, we can turn some of them to evil, we definitely turn some of them to a manipulative game instead of something that's honest and true. Um, and, you know, what do we say for that other than we all know how broken we all are, right? So it's a tragedy and it's very sad. Um, and I would hope for anyone um, who's had those kind of experiences to find a way to um, have rituals that really celebrate something authentic and true and good to write, to begin to write a different story. And with something like baptism, for example, we wouldn't necessarily, if somebody needed that, we wouldn't necessarily, we wouldn't rebaptize them likely unless we found out it was totally farce the way it was done. But we might do some sort of ritual or ceremony that honored the brokenness of how it happened the first time and gave some authentic celebration to what it can be. Sort of thing. 